Happy Tuesday, Clitorati. We have Australia's leading men's sex coach here today. He's going to demystify myths around men. And this quote from his TEDx talk really sums up what we think is so powerful about him. He said, in order to healthfully express, we first need to know and understand ourselves. A great sex life and by extension, a fulfilling life is rounded in being comfortable with your sexual identity and your sexual policy. Sexual expression is a form of self-expression and neuroscience is teaching us that self-expression is the most important way to grow, navigate, and connect with one another. Without further ado, please welcome Cam Frazier. Wow. Welcome. Thanks so much. That was amazing. Yeah, I really appreciate it. (laughs) Like hearing your own words. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we just did a video with you and I, I think it was the most I've learned about how to deal with a penis in my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of us got to deal with penises and there's, there's, there's good ways to deal with them and not so good ways. I know, I didn't say that very well. Not deal with, how to honor the cock, I should say. <laughs> honor the cock and actually it gave me a lot more confidence of what to do because what the video is what to do when the penis goes flaccid. Flaccid, yeah. Or if it's just a soft penis, what to do with it, right? But for me, I'm always like, what do I do when it goes flaccid? Mm. And you gave us seven techniques. It was really wonderful. I'm so excited to greet my next flaccid penis. I look forward to that. I am going to be like, oh, it's time. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Game on. That's amazing. One of the things that I think we're really excited to talk to you about is you actually, you traditionally work with men, correct? Yep, that's correct. However... You have this really ground, but because you have so much experience with working with men, you actually created a course for women that really busts through a lot of the myths about men and how you can really bring some symbiotic to both your male and female partners. So can you tell us a little bit about this and what are some of the, can we just jump into some of the top myths that we need to bust? (laughs) Demystify. To mystify well, um, us. I get asked by women all the time through social media, what do I do with my men, with this this guy, or can you teach me more about men in general or my partner? And, and that was the, the inspiration for putting this course on. And I outsource to a lot of women in the course who also do work with men. So it's a really this beautiful culmination of all this knowledge about masculinity, sexuality, male bodies, male anatomy, like how men experience pleasure, the stories and the narratives that they have. And some of those big stories and narratives that not only men have, but I find that women have about men is firstly that guys are always sexual, right? They always want to be sexual. Their libido Mm. is really high. It's unwavering. They are Mm. just down to have sex at the drop of a hat and they they, they want no strings attached to attach sex. It's just physical. There's no emotional investment. So there's a kind of couple of, that's a really big story, but there's a couple of myths wrapped up in that. And and like the first is that men have a high sex drive that is unwavering, right? That they always are down for sex. And we just, if we look at, I talk a lot about where these messages and myths come from and where they're reinforced. Mm. And if we look at any TV show or movie or mainstream media representation of men, that's very much the case that a guy has this high sex drive and it's unwavering. He's always wanting sex. And it's almost a joke or it's portrayed as a joke on that TV show or movie if he doesn't, right? He's called... Uh, gay or he's called uh, a sissy or he's less of a man if he's not always down for sex. And so Mm -hmm. a lot of men perpetuate that in their own lives by thinking that they always need to be ready for sex because they're a guy and that's what guys are supposed to do. And a lot of women have this unacknowledged expectation that guys are just always wanting to have sex, right? And that can lead Mm -hmm. into some sticky situations, for example, where if a guy doesn't feel like he wants to have sex, but feels pressured to actually be sexual, he might be crossing his own boundaries there. Or if he says no to a sexual advance by a woman, she might think, oh, what the fuck's wrong with him? He's a guy. He should always want mm-hmm. sex. And so there can be some scenarios that come up that, especially in a relationship, a long-term relationship where those things mm-hmm. tend to play out a little bit more, it becomes mm-hmm. a bit detrimental to that relationship. So Yeah, um, I can't relate to I can't relate to this at all in my relationship. <laughs> She's joking. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. I don't, actually I don't know what you're talking about. Sugar's definitely got a higher libido in her relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I've been with my partner too for six and a half years. And yeah, having you put words to it normalizes it. Like how you normalized flaccid penises for us in the VIP video. Mm. Thank you for that. 
No, the no thing worries. That, the thing that really resonated with me is the opposite is I do think that like my husband's libido is higher than mine. And it does seem to me that he always wants sex since I'm the one who doesn't always want to do it. But it's not necessarily true. His libido is just higher than mine. So they always want it because when he feels like he always wants it, it makes me not want to do it more. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And there's a really interesting statistic that we can take from sex therapy, which is that, you know, out of all the heterosexual couples that come to see a sex therapist, 50% of those couples are seeing that therapist because they've got a mismatch in libido. So it's a very, mm. very common thing for you know couples therapy to to address. But of mm-hmm. those 50% of people that come and see a therapist because of their mismatch in libido, half of them, so 50% of them, it's the guy has a higher sex drive and the other half of them, it's the woman who has the higher sex drive. So it's a pretty even split when it comes to wow. that being a, a concern in, in couples relationships. And that I start with that statistic because it speaks to this overarching idea that we're a lot more similar when it comes to desire specifically than we give ourselves credit for. And, mm. and men's sex drive does actually wax and wane. It, a lot of people link it to testosterone and this idea that testosterone is responsible, solely responsible for men's libido. Although it's important and a, com- uh, a component of a men's sex drive, it's not the sole ingredient. It doesn't you know, account 100% for their desires. And we also know that testosterone actually fluctuates across a day-to-day basis. It's higher in the morning and it's lower in the afternoon. It's also fluctuates on a seasonal basis as well. It's higher in winter, it's lower in summer, and it also fluctuates on a 20 and 30 day cycle as well. So it has this hormonal cycle that is happening in a male body. Yeah. For men too. I know, I definitely. I do. I've never heard that about men though. Not as pronounced um, as Mm -hmm. hormonal fluctuations in a person who has a female body or produces female hormones, but um, there is secular tendencies in the male body as well. There's a guy called Jed Diamond who wrote about irritable male syndrome uh, or IMS. And and he talks about this idea that when testosterone fluctuates down low, you can become, men become a little bit agitated. They become a little bit flat. It's linked to mental health stuff as well. So they get a little bit down in the dumps when the testosterone is a little bit lower, which happens during certain times of the year and certain times of the month as well. Recognizing and acknowledging this kind of cyclical nature in all people is really important because it then starts to translate into, oh, it's, it, that means then they're not always going to be ready to have sex. So that means that they're not always going to have this high unwavering sex drive and that there is fluctuations to it. And that's totally normal and it's totally okay. Wow. That's, that makes so much sense. And I think like for men too, like having that pressure probably is a turnoff for them. And they don't even, I'm sure a lot of men don't even know where their own boundaries are because of this like pressure. That's yeah, crazy. 100%. And that leads into if guys are always ready to have sex, then they should always just be able to get an erection at the flick of a switch, right? At the drop of a hat, mm-hmm. at the change of wind, right? Guys should just be able to get an erection because they're just always down to have sex. Because a lot of guys aren't always down to have sex, right? There's some times where they may be feeling tired or overwhelmed or overworked or just stressed or something else is going on in their life that affects their libido. There might be times where they have a difficulty getting an erection, for example, or they don't really feel very aroused. And so because of that, they don't feel that desire. And so they don't manifest that erection in their body. And then they think something's wrong with them. And their partner might also think something's wrong with them because there's the expectation that they should be able to get an erection real quick because they're always just ready to be sexual. It can lead to these really harsh judgments about uh, a man's body and his libido and his desire. Yeah, I've had that experience with my current partner. He, I think where he was feeling that pressure and I said, look, I'm not instantly turned on. It's okay for me to take time to turn you on and to kiss you and lick your thighs or do what it would do, you know, do whatever to like slowly lead you into it. And he was, it was like this concept that he'd never thought of. He was like, oh, I could actually take the time to be turned on. So mm. I can, that's, I think that's really important. If women are with the the woman's movement, like we're demand space to be turned on and to be heard. And I think it's important for men to have that space too. Absolutely. Yeah. And and guys need to recognize that in their own body as well. Like I talk to men a lot about the way that they masturbate and I very typically get the answer that they just go straight for, they look like, I don't know if you've ever seen on a David Attenborough show, a chimpanzee masturbating, but like a, a lot of guys, when they talk to me about masturbating, I'm like, you're just giving me this mental image of a chimpanzee just furiously jerking off and they just go straight for their genitals. They go straight for that. They go straight for like really intense stimulation straight away. And if they if that doesn't do it for them, if it doesn't turn them on, 
then they think, fuck, something's wrong with me. This is the way I'm supposed to masturbate. A lot of guys are very dogmatic when it comes to the way that they're supposed to experience pleasure. It's similar for women. Mm. Women have a lot of really strong stories about how men are supposed to experience pleasure, which is that it's just around their cocks, very phallocentric. It's like only on the shaft as well. It's not the testicles, it's not the balls. It's very penetration oriented as well. There's like a lot of these really strong stories about how men are expected to experience pleasure. And guys will reinforce that as well. They'll, there's no guys in locker rooms talking about how good it felt for their partner to touch their chest and to run their Aww. hands up their thighs and stuff. Guys are just talking about like their cocks and mm. being penetrative and the how big they're how big they they busted a nut. They're, there's all this really fellow <laughs> situation talking it's about. True. Yeah, it's, it's uh, true. It, it's oh my God. Because guys will I say to men in my men's groups, what happens if you start talking about how much actual full body pleasure you experience and start talking about these other types of sensations? Most guys go to me and we'll get ostracized. People like we get bullied. People would tease us and make fun of us now or in extreme, they'd probably bash us up. And there's this rigid kind of construction about masculinity that men have to follow. There's like this unspoken set of rules that a lot of guys have to follow in order for them not to have their masculinity mm. revoked by the other group of men that they're hanging mm. out with, what Paul Kivel called the man box culture mm. back in the 1980s. But, mm. uh, but guys are finding themselves stuck in that. It's one of the reasons why we have a lot of issues talking about pleasure because pleasure is you know, a, a feeling, right? And, and guys have trouble expressing their feelings in general and it's not really encouraged. And so when we start talking about anything deeper than just kind of penetration or just talking about your cock, then it becomes this really vulnerable and difficult thing for men to talk about, which they're already struggling to talk about anyway, mm-hmm. um, let alone layering on sexuality, layering on all these other insecurities that they might have. So, so what can so erections don't work like a shake weight is basically <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're not and you can't just turn them on and off you can't just flick a switch and then oh, yeah. okay there's an erection and then flick another switch and there's no erection it doesn't yeah they, they actually wax and wane and something I talk about is throughout a sexual experience especially if I, I talk to a lot of people in the sacred sexuality tantra space or maybe having longer sexual experiences they're practicing how to have these longer encounters and. And women in these spaces are saying, after about 35, 40 minutes, my partner's going soft. And I'm like, yeah, that's normal. You're not supposed yeah. to have an erection for 40 <laughs> minutes at a time. On, on bottles of Viagra, it says if you're you know, exceeding a couple of uh-huh. hours, then you need to go see a doctor. So you know, this idea that you know, yeah. erections wax and wane because you're holding mm. blood flow. It's like holding your arm out for 45 minutes and, and holding that position yeah. for a long time. Like that, There's fatigue that sets in and there's blood flow that has to tr- circulate out. And so this mm. normalizing of waxing and waning of firmness mm. of an erection is really important, especially mm-hmm. in those longer sexual experiences. And so that's where mm. things like, okay, let's broaden our definition of what being sexual together is. There's this, yeah. like I said before, conflation of erection and sexual encounter. So if your guy doesn't have an erection, we can't be sexual, right? And so that's very, again, male-oriented, very dependent upon the penis. But if you experiment with, just not including his penis at all. How else can we be sexual together? What other pleasures and, and mm-hmm. sensations can we experience? That starts to really broaden your broaden your range of things that you can do together to have your sexual needs met. And that's mm. really important when you, especially those longer times of sexual encounters where maybe some firmness does get lost. Mm. That's fantastic. So for us, as for those of us in heterosexual relationships, women in relationships with men, and then I don't know, do you ever deal with like male-on-male relationships as well? Or do you mostly deal with like heterosexual women and men? Yeah, I typically work with, yes, yeah, cishet relationships just purely because okay. that's, my, that's my lived experience and I, my lived experience yeah. really informs my coaching. So if, there's, if there is like gay men that want to work with me, I usually refer them out to someone who, is, who specializes Got in it. gay relationships. Yeah, totally. Okay, so then speaking from that paradigm, what can we as women do to start to create that safe space for our male partners? Do you have any tips for women listening now? Oh, like this conversation's resonating for me and I'm like, I don't even know where to start. Yeah, so there's a couple of things that women can do to help create that space for men to drop into their vulnerability. And the kind of first piece of advice I have is don't just spring the conversation on them. Don't just be like, okay, cool. I listened to this podcast and hey, (laughs) 
we need to have a talk, right? The dreaded <laughs> talk. Um, that's, that's probably yeah. what we were all planning on doing. I was like, I know, I'm like, I was just like going to pass along this. Yeah, so, um, so one of the ways you can induce uh, in a really helpful way that doesn't scare him off, right? Something that we don't like to acknowledge as men is that we're pretty fragile. We're scared of things, especially sexuality. We, there's a lot mm. of insecurities. Men have a lot mm. of anxiety around sex. So when it comes to talking about it, it can be pretty fucking frightening. Mm. So one of the ways is to preempt that conversation. Say, hey, I just listened to this podcast about masculinity and sexuality. Would you be open to talking about this? Would you be open to sitting down one night? Or I don't want to say sit down because I, that, will, that will eat into my next point. But you know, just preempting the conversation saying, hey, I want to have this conversation with you. How do you feel about it? And if he's, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I guess we could do that. Yeah, all right. I'm not super keen on it. But if you're framing it positively, hey, I'm really interested in learning more about you. I really value this kind of relationship, but this is something I think could really be beneficial for us. Keeping things positively framed rather than being like, we're having a shit sex life. You might be rather than saying, hey, you're fucking up. I'm blaming you for this and we need to talk. And this is the reason why, which can be taken quite neg- negatively. Framing, yeah. it, framing it like, hey, I really value, <laughs> Maybe our, a little. <laughs> yeah, I value our relationship and I want to actually improve it. And I think this could be a really beneficial conversation for yeah. us to have. It's like the first mm. pre-framing the whole thing. Um, Question for you, Cam. Yeah, sure. Is the conversation actually required? Is the, con- uh, the cooperation or the conversation? Sorry. No, no the conversation. Because I was just thinking, is it possible to take this on for yourself, demonstrate and actually just be that without having to say, hey, can we talk about this thing related to our sex life? Is that possible? Yeah, I think there is a fine line that you have to tread because something that I see women doing particularly in these types of dynamics is like she's maybe done some work on her sexuality, she's listened to some podcasts, she's done some personal development and then she slips into the role of becoming her partner's coach and mm-hmm. if there's no naming of that or owning of, hey, I've done this kind of work and I'm interested in going down this path, mm-hmm. you know, are you open to exploring this with me? The the role of kind of coach and client can be key become a thing in that mm. dynamic and that's really not mm. conducive for sexual chemistry or sexual attraction you, you're, oh, that'd wow. be a turn that'd yeah. be a total turn off total if my partner off. was doing that to me and i'm a sex god i'd be like fuck <laughs> off <laughs> <laughs> i'd be like i'd rather i want to go to hell thank you <laughs> so that's why i lean on like the conversation <laughs> aspect i think it's important to to name that well, like hey here's what i've learned and would you be open to doing this with me would you be open to rather than letting things go unsaid and, and saying, hey, let's do this now. Or, hey, why don't we try this and just showing up, which could be beneficial in some regards. But yeah, I definitely think the conversation is important. Um, mm. and, okay, and guys, so just to backtrack, you were saying the first is to pre-frame the conversation, then you were going to say the next, I think, phase of... Yeah, which is for a lot of men, and I've just this is just by observation, so it's a sweeping generalization here, but I found that it's easier for men to open up and talk about things if they're doing, if they're doing something, if they're actually physically moving their body. So rather than that whole, let's sit down face to face, have a serious conversation. It's let's take that serious conversation and have it whilst we're walking along the beach or while we're walking through the woods or while we're going on a bit of a hike or while we're driving somewhere, for example. So that's like my... This is so true. Every time I sit down at a table and try to talk to my partner, it's like goes shitty. But if we're like, on a walk or a hike, we are so much more fucking productive. Maybe that is a generalization, but that is spot on for me. Holy shit. I was just like imagining playing catch with my partner. Like we're just in the backyard, like throwing a softball. Like it's so babe. Hey. Yeah, it's it's a cliche, but it's from what I found, it tends to be observably true. And I, that's my piece of advice is like, hey, let's go do something okay. together. What does he enjoy doing? Let's go and do that to kick a soccer ball around is something that I find really mm. meditative. And yeah. so if my partner's there and we just cruise around and I've got a soccer ball to kick around, then I'm happy to just talk. And it takes guys out of their analytic brain, yeah. so to speak. And they're, they're actually be in their body. When you're moving your body, you become a bit more attuned to what's actually going on for you. And so yeah. you can become a bit more aware of those you sensations. You are fucking onto something, Cam Frazier. <laughs> Brilliant, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, another way of creating that safety is to... So, if you're asking a question, so if you ask him to share about something that's going on for him, something that's harder, it's easier said than done, is to not have a pre-loaded answer to that question in the back of your mind, right? If you ask him a question and he says 
something that like <laughs> wasn't what you wanted him to say, not yeah. shutting him down for that, not being like, oh, that's not what I wanted you to say. That's not the answer I was expecting, whether you overtly say that or not, whether it just triggers this response of being like, oh, that's not what I expected him to say, or that's not what I wanted him to say in this situation. Mm -hmm. And of course, that's easier said than done because we always, we have things that we want to hear, right? We have things that we want him to share or we want our partner to share. And so if they share something that's different or maybe that's a bit triggering for us, rather than saying, and shutting me down in that moment, which can then be really detrimental for the next time you actually want him to open up and share, suspending that that judgment about what it is that he's just shared and going, oh, okay, that was a little bit surprising to me. Let's explore that a little bit more. Let's talk about that a bit more. Mm. So just suspending your pre-loaded question or answer mm. to that question is something that I find is really useful. I have no then, expectation. Like, yeah. yeah, no expectations. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, and, and then it's space as well. So giving guys time and space to answer yeah. questions. This is something that we do really badly in Australia particularly is we like to... <laughs> interrupt and over talk people and if something's really resonating deeply we're like oh yeah oh let me tell you this time that what you're doing happened to me and we want to story top and we want to like really interact with with people and it's not just um, australia (laughs) (laughs) being being like i call this a 30 second rule right so if he's finished sharing give him 30 seconds right count in your head 30 seconds to see if there's anything else that wants to come through, wow. anything else that he wants to share. Mm-hmm. Um, Alison Armstrong has a really good analogy for this, which is like when men are sharing, they're sending a bucket down a well and they're pulling this bucket up and then they're tipping that bucket out and that's the first kind of share, right? So give him time to send that second bucket down. Give him time to go a little bit deeper and go a little bit further down and see what comes up that kind of that next share or that next time he pulls that bucket up. And typically mm-hmm. it's something that's a little bit different or a little bit more than what he said that first time. So, uh, Offering a little bit of that space and a little bit of that time is really beneficial, I find. I think this is going to make a profound difference in my relationship. Yeah. Not that I do that. Again, I can't relate. I think as soon as I get out of this interview, I'm signing up for your man myths course. (laughs) 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 Don't be that person who says, babe, you got to sign up for this course. (laughs) Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a, because the idea behind the course is I want to teach a lot of different strategies and techniques and specifically pleasure emphasizing techniques and touch oriented things. And one of the ways that I preempt all of those strategies is rather than just diving straight into it with your partner and being like, hey, we're going to try this tonight, which can again, trigger some insecurities and some anxieties about men particularly if I've got those like really old school, rigid paradigms about, no, this is what a man does in the bedroom. This is what a woman does in the bedroom. And we don't deviate from that. It can be really difficult mm. for, for him to then go, oh, if you're wanting to do this, they can put up some walls around that. One of the strategies that I suggest for introducing something new or something novel into the, I say into the bedroom, but wherever you have sex, really, mm. the, the premise can be like, hey, I'm doing this course or Hey, I just listened to this on a podcast or, Hey, I just, uh, I just read this particular thing. This guy was talking about it. It sounds really cool, really fun. I'm really keen to try it. Would you be open to giving this a shot? Do you want to see if this is something that you want to do? And then give him 30 seconds to think about it, right? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And and if he says, and if he says no as well, if if it's an answer that you didn't want to hear, just being like, Oh, okay, cool. No worries. Let's, yeah. and, And, and if there's something else that you also wanted to try, okay, that's all right would you like to try this instead and having a little bit of a, an option as well to back up? Yeah. Um, like a negotiation. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Also, yeah. If, if you don't, if like I ask my husband to do something and he says no, and I don't react, I just say, Oh, okay. That's fine. And not say anything else and just let it sit. Then he might be like, Oh, well, what did you want? What did you want to do? I, I, I yeah. need to come around. Uh, yeah. A funny mm. thing happens when you don't resist someone's resistance. They're like, wait, but well, maybe I don't know about that. <laughs> Not as a manipulation, like earnest. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> I feel. I'm very keen to be like, wait, no, you don't want to do it. So you mean you don't love, you don't love me, basically. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's effective. Yeah. Care about anything. Oh, yeah. It's very easy to go there because it, it does take something also to ask your partner to do something new when you're learning something new and there's just oh. something uncomfortable in your relationship that you're not sure what to do, but you heard something that you think might help. So just like going around to ask them. 
Yeah. And there's a fine line of, of asking why as well. Like one of the one of the urges I feel like a lot of people have is someone says no to you. Like, oh, why not? What's wrong? Like, why don't you want to do this? And and oftentimes I, I share like, what if the reverse was true and someone like a guy asked you to have sex with him and you said no. And then he started going, oh, why not? Why don't you want to do this? What's wrong with you that you don't want to do this? Imagine in your own body how that would feel. And if you're then doing that to your partner, mm-hmm. that's similar to what he might be feeling in that time. So there's this kind of fine line of, yes, asking mm-hmm. why in terms of, okay, that's that's totally fine. Is there any resistance that you have to that? Is there a particular kind of reason why that might not be something that you're interested in? And if he's not mm-hmm. open to sharing, then again, respecting that. But if he's, yeah, I think it's because uh, if it's butt stuff, for example, if it's anal play, like a lot of guys have some really deep-seated resistance to that because it's mm-hmm. loaded in internalized homophobia and some other stuff. So it's, I can see you had a pretty strong reaction to that suggestion. Did you want mm. to unpack that? And if, <laughs> if, if it's a yes, then great. Uh, if it's a no, then it's okay. Yeah, uh, totally respect that. I really yeah. want to. I want to do that in an Australian accent. <laughs> hey, like, you like to unpack that? Yeah, I'm going to have to listen to this episode a bunch of times to hear how you say it to then just bring it out in the bedroom and be like, do you want to unpack that? It does sound much nicer with Sam's accent. I'm like, maybe if I did it in an Australian accent, it would seem softer. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Actually, I was making love with my husband a couple weeks ago and I did an accent. And then you were telling him, Lindsay was telling my husband, she's maybe you like cerebral, you're cerebrally kinky. Maybe you need to do a little bit of role play. And he's, no, I don't think so. And then we were like, don't worry, we'll plant the seed. And I don't know, two weeks ago, we were like having sex. And all of a sudden I start talking in this Australian accent. It was going between like Australian and British because it's like, it just get bounces between the two. And I know they're not the same. I get that. Oh, white little Jewish girl. They're similar when they come out of my mouth. And he loved it. I told you. The accent. I told you. All right. Anyways, back to you. Yeah. No, I'm so glad you touched on the butt stuff because, yeah, because that we just recently did a pegging episode with Lola Jean, who's fantastic. And there is a lot of, because she was teaching us how healthy actually prostate ejaculation is for men. And there's actually like a health conversation around it. My boyfriend is just a no, no. So I'm respecting his prostate bubble i'll keep gently nudging yeah same with my partner too yeah. i'm like am i just bad at it or is there some shame that needs to be released and uh, mine tried it and he liked it but i'm not allowed to talk about it <laughs> you just did another <laughs> <laughs> layer no details okay got it okay Cam, thank you so much. This was, I honestly learned so much. I know we were strictly talking in the realm of pleasure, but I feel like this was just good communication advice for men and women. And I definitely want to listen to this episode again and really apply some of these things to my life. You're so knowledgeable and I can tell that you're very thorough in what you are teaching. And it really does make you a different type of sex coach. And that was one of the reasons why we wanted to have you on today. We think the work that you're doing is tremendous. And I've learned so much from you today. It's crazy. What is up, Clitorati? It's Tuesday again, and we're all here navigating how to have a pleasure-filled lifestyle. Today, we have our new favorite male sex expert here to teach us how to inspire the men in our life to not only be a better lover, but a more satisfied partner. Please welcome back the man who pairs scientifically validated, medically accurate information about sexual health with sacred sexual teachings, and he helps men go beyond surface-level sex into full-bodied, self-expressed, pleasure-oriented sexual experiences free of anxiety or shame. Thank you so much for being here. The one, the only, Cam Frazier. Thank you so much. Just gets better and better. I love that intro. Thank you very much. (laughs) Yes, we had you on. We did a video with you and then we had you on. Now we have you back again. He was the one that taught us ladies how to, what to do with the flaccid penis and literally change the way I think about flaccid penises. It was, it was amazing. Yeah. Check out our Patreon, our Clit Talk Confidential, our VIP. Yeah, he did it with the video. He had a, a prop, he had a prop dick and everything. It was very informative. <laughs> you will learn to love the flaccid penis. We and if did. you haven't listened to our, our last episode with him, it was incredible. It's, we really went through and we busted a lot of the myths about men and what we as women can do for those of you in a heterosexual relationship. And today, 
we really wanted to get down into the nitty gritty. This is the episode to have your boyfriends or your husbands or your brothers or your brothers from another mother listen to because we're going to get deep down. (laughs) Your dad. Oh my God. Or your landlord. My mom might appreciate that, actually. <laughs> I'm gonna recommend. I'm gonna call your dad, Katie, and tell him to listen. To this. <laughs> <laughs> Please, take that on. <laughs> you, should oh call my, you should call my dad, Lindsay. I actually could call your dad. And tell him, <laughs> me and him are cool like that. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't really call my dad. It's I'm, okay. I'm, I love that Katie has to tell us not to. She's not sure if we're kidding. I'm not listening to every episode. She's not sure if we're getting it. So she's like, she's never sure if we're serious. Okay. Anyways, so we are really getting into the nitty gritty. How do men become better lovers? Yeah, what a question. And and there's so many places to start. The way that I approach this is I use an analogy. This is not a perfect analogy. I'll admit that. But I often say to guys, the way that you masturbate is the way that you're going to have sex. And the analogy is, you know, masturbation is like training for the big game, right? Which is uh, partnered sexual experience. And the reason why that's not a perfect analogy just quickly is because I also think that solo self-pleasuring can also be the big game as well. I think they're both as equally as mm. important as one another. But just for the sake of this kind of um, conversation, the way that you masturbate is the way that you have sex. It's very similar in terms of how you condition yourself to experience pleasure when you're by yourself is very typically the way that you're going to try and experience pleasure when you're with a partner. So if you're mm-hmm. masturbating, and I talk to guys, I talk to many guys about the way they masturbate, and I get three common responses. They're very... It's very often guys will say to me they're either hunched over a computer screen with uh, a mouse in one hand and a cock in the other and they're just looking at their favorite tube site or they're on a couch or they're in bed and they've got their phone in one hand and they're swiping and they've got their cock in their other hand and they're just kind of going through the motions. Or they tell me that they're in the shower and they're behind a screen and they've got the door closed and they're just doing it as quickly as possible here in Australia, maybe even faster so that they don't waste any water and get a fine by the water corporation. But you're, you've got these, you've got, these, you've got set days and, and shower times a lot of times. So it's a very water scarce country here. So that's a different conversation. Wow. Got it. We, uh, we, and so we have this very, very rigid way that a lot of guys are masturbating and, and And hopefully men, if they're listening, resonate with those three ways. It's very common to have something like that. And the problem I'll say, I don't want to problematize that, but one of the problems that can come up when we masturbate that way exclusively is we create these patterns and these habits in our body. Mm. And and so one of those habits is you're going straight for the genitals, going straight for the cock, going straight for, you know, stimulation of the genitals, this masturbatory style, maybe jackhammer up and down motion that guys just instinctively go for. And <laughs> the way that then manifests in partner-based sex is guys go straight for their genitals. So they're just going to go straight for their partner's genitals. And they're going straight for friction-based up and down sex, which just looks like in and out style penetration, right? So they're translating what they do by themselves into the way that they're sexual with their partner. It's very common for guys to just overlap those two things and let one inform the other. And so what happens in, in terms of like, sexual experiences together is guys will oftentimes neglect other areas of their partner's body, other areas of their own body, will like rush for penetration as opposed to experiencing lots of other types of sensation and stimulation. And what can happen as well is the reverse is often true. If I've spoken to a few women about the way that they self-pleasure and the way that they masturbate is they might start with other areas of their body and work their way towards their vulva, work their way towards their clitoris and warm themselves up first. And then when they go and have a sexual encounter with their male partner, they'll touch their male partner the way that they touch themselves, just the way that men touch their partner, the way that men touch themselves. And so instead of going mm. straight for his genitals, which is what kind of he is expecting and what he does himself, they'll start by touching all these other things and nibbling on his ear or warming up his body and expecting mm-hmm. him to get aroused that way. And because that's the way that she maybe does that herself. And so we've got this kind of mismatch or this miscommunication in the way that these two partners are touching one another. They're touching each other the way that they touch themselves. That's like the golden rule that I talk about, which is, I think it was in the Bible. I don't know where this golden rule came from, but it's like treat others the way you want to be treated. And so we touch others the way that we want to be touched. But really what we should be doing is treating others the way that they want to be treated, touching others the Mm. way that they want to be touched. And And so what I kind of share with 
men, for example, is ask your partner what it is that that she does when she's self-pleasuring. If she's open to sharing about it, hey, I, I want to learn about your pleasure. Let's you know explore what that actually looks like. And oftentimes, okay, I don't want you to just go straight for my vagina. I don't want you to just go straight for penetration. There's like this other sensation and pleasure that I'm open to experiencing. Mm-hmm. And something that I'll share with women is if you've got a male partner, typically I would say start at his genitals. You can ask him, but he's probably going to say, yeah, touch my dick because that's what he's used to doing himself. But start at his genitals and once that kind of arousal is built, then spread that arousal across his body, right? It's the inverse of one another. For men, when they're touching their partner, start at the extremities and work your way towards the genitals. And if you're a woman touching a a man's body, start at his genitals and work your way out. So you've got this inverse Mm. way of touching one another, which typically adds to to prolong the experience as well, because it's not just overstimulating his cock the whole time when we start to think that's all you can do, then that typically becomes quite overstimulating and guys will end up calculating before they're ready, before their partner's ready. So that's like a, just a useful bit of mm-hmm. information to, to do when you're partnering pleasure. Well, yeah. And you talk about that. So what? It, so you, talk, you do talk about some of the biggest concerns for men in this realm. There's like erectile dysfunction, premature ejaculation, which you were talking about, and performance anxiety. So... What is your best advice for starting the journey of overcoming some of those big concerns for men? I often find that they're all linked together. So Mm. premature ejaculation and erectile dysfunction are two sides of the same coin. And the kind of split between them is anxiety, is performance anxiety. If you're experiencing some erection difficulties or if you're experiencing like a quick or early ejaculation, the thing that you need to work on, a thing that's going to be helpful for you is minimizing your anxiety. Oftentimes that's the thing that instigates that physical manifestation or that that quote-unquote dysfunction. So one of the ways, and we know this from psychology to mindfulness to yoga, whatever it is, get in control of your breath. Start to learn how to breathe properly. And by what I mean by that is like breathe down into your belly, down into your diaphragm. You can engage your diaphragm in what's called diaphragmatic breathing. And when you start doing that, when you start breathing down into this part of your body, you start to engage your parasympathetic nervous system, which is your, your relaxation response. It's your rest and digest response. When you are slowed down like that, and when you're starting to lower the heart rates and you're starting to release tension from your body, you will find that you experience more pleasure. You find that you, you don't come as quickly. And I can speak about the reason why, but you, you find these things that are related to anxiety or related to tension, I'm talking mental tension here, tend to resolve themselves. And one of the reasons why is because of the feedback loop that we have between our body and our brain, our body and our mind. When we start to release mental tension, mental anxiety, we start to notice that we release physical tension and physical tightness as well. So I I tend to think of the body, I'm talking male bodies here specifically, as a sponge. And so guys, Mm. guys are really good at soaking up tension, right? We soak up tension like we soak up, like a sponge soaks up water. And tension is not a bad thing, right? If you speak to an engineer, tension is really good at holding up buildings and things like that. And sexual tension is tends to be a good thing, right? If we're able to play around with that dynamic and we have sexual tension in our relationship with our partner, it can add to that spark. So tension is not necessarily a bad thing, but when we're soaking up, let's in air quotes here say bad tension from from work stresses, from family stresses, from kids stresses, from getting cut off in traffic, whatever it is, this tension that kind of manifests in the body is re- guys are really good at holding on to that. And so mm. when they're going into a sexual experience with their partner, for example, they're already like a sponge is like waterlogged with all this water. A guys are going into a sexual encounter kind of tension logged. Their body is like already full of all this tension. And so then we try and pour a little bit more water onto a waterlogged sponge, we try and uh, add a little bit of sexual tension onto you know this guy's body who's already full of tension. <laughs> He's got no capacity and, and so he ends up leaking, right? The sponge ends up leaking and uh, the male body ends up leaking, which looks like a, a, a quick ejaculation. So mm. one of the ways in this analogy to to prolong that sexual encounter and, and appreciate that really slow buildup of sexual tension is before you go into that sexual experience, like you wring the sponge out of water, you want to wring your body out of all that tension. And so one of the ways of doing that, like I said, is breathing. But another way is like doing some stretching, doing some opening up, right? Starting to release muscular tightness from your body, particularly from 
your lower back and your pelvic floor. A lot of guys have heaps of tension. We can talk about this as well, but have heaps of tension in their ass because they have this fear response of anything going up there, mm-hmm. for example. But lower back specifically, there's a big correlation between lower back tension and tightness and just lower back problems and sexual dysfunction. But because mm-hmm. we don't really equate those two, oftentimes it goes unnoticed. So being able to relax you see, and release your body is really important. So you're talking a lot about tension. And do you see a direct correlation between that and confidence in men? Because when we get letters from our male listeners, one of the bit, one of the top questions that we always get is, how do I, I, I'm feeling a lack of confidence. What do I do? What are your best tips for gaining more confidence in bed? I'm just not feeling, do you see a direct correlation between like tension and anxiety and, and confidence? Or are they a little bit separate? I'll say this, I'll, I'll say, look, go and go and stand up. If you're listening to this, stand up and squeeze your whole body for 30 seconds. Hold as much tension as you can in your body for 30 seconds and then let go and notice how you feel psychologically, mentally, emotionally after that. Mm-hmm. And I almost guarantee you that doing that is going to, firstly, it's tough to do. So you're going to feel a little bit fatigued afterwards. It's also going to yeah. like agitate you a little bit as well. It's quite, yeah, it's quite annoying almost to, to hold that much tension in your body for a prolonged period of time. And that obviously is going to have then an effect in the sexual sense of not feeling super comfortable and not feeling like you're like a word that I use a lot is presence, right? And I define presence as being fully aware of the sensations, the physical sensations mm-hmm. that you feel. If you're tightened up and you're a fistful of tension, you're not feeling anything except for that overarching mm-hmm. numbness, that dull kind of ache of tension. So you can't yeah. feel anything. And so by releasing that, by doing some relaxation exercises, not in a really woo-woo type of way, but just in a really practical way, you can start to feel more. And when you start to feel more, you're like, oh, that actually feels good. Or that actually feels not so good when you do this to me. And you can then have a bit more of an understanding, a robust understanding of your sexual uh, experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The tension that you were talking about that we hold in our body, something that I just saw in that is that kind of creates a disconnection in in terms of ourselves. And I was thinking when I feel tense, I'm not actually present to anything other than the tension I'm holding. And something that really triggers me is like disconnected sex. And I'm in a I'm in an open, committed, non-monogamous relationship. Some might call it poly, whatever lingo you like to use, just to give you the world. And something that I really noticed in my community is like being able to distinguish connected sex and disconnected sex. The cool thing is in my community, we can talk about it and be like, hey, I feel like our sex is a little disconnected. Did what did you think about that? So we mm-hmm. can work on that with each other. <clears throat> So I just got a lot out of that presence conversation because then there's actually something at stake, like more pleasure, like more connection. So thank you for the way you created that. Yeah, yeah. I, I like to like extrapolate that, especially for men as well. If, if you want to connect better to what your partner's feeling sexually, if, you're, if you've got a female partner, like the relaxation that you can have in your body and the more you can feel in your body, if you then are being sexual with your partner and notice something come up in you, notice like a hesitation come up in you or notice some tension arise in you, it's very common that's also coming up in your partner as well. So the more Mm. quote-unquote present you can be, and again, that very practical definition of presence, being aware of what sensations arise in you, if you notice something arise, it's probably arising Mm. in your partner as well. And Mm. so this is one of the ways of then tuning into you know, her energy, if you want to call it that, or what's going on for her. And you can then communicate about that. I'm curious if there is, if you have advice for me to do the inverse of what my husband did to me so that I can reciprocate. So he did this, I've been having issues with my back. So he started, he was massaging my back and then he's, wait a minute, take off your clothes. And I was like, I just don't really want to have sex right now. And what he did was had me lay on my Vush vibrator he massaged CBD into my back and it released so much tension for me because he got the stimulation from like internal and external. So how could, is there a way for me to like, where would I put the vibrator on him? Can you lay on it? Does that do anything? Or like, <laughs> Can you use a vibrator oh, yeah, on a penis? Massage, <laughs> I like massage his back. Is there something that I could, could also be doing at the same time? Yeah, totally. To answer that question, you can use a vibrator on a penis. And um, <laughs> the the areas that you 
could think about stimulating, for example, is the perineum. So that space in between the genitals and the anus, oh. uh, placing a vibrator up against that. And it can typically you can press quite firmly into that area of the body as well. And it's an external stimulation point for the prostate as well. So pressing up a vibrator, like a wand vibrator, for example, is really helpful for um, stimulating that area. Uh, and then also another area that you can stimulate the penis with a vibrator is the frenulum, which is the kind of underside of the penis where the shaft meets the head. Even if a guy okay. has been circumcised, there's still usually a, a frenulum there. Typically it doesn't get removed through circumcision. And then if all else fails, you can also stimulate the head of the penis around the kind of ridge, which is called the corona, which I shared before. And <laughs> the and the reason why is because the head of the penis is usually very sensitive to like stimulation that's quite light and quite soft, like a vibration, like the, the tip of a wand vibrator, for example. But there's a whole host of amazing toys out there specifically for people that have penises. I'm an ambassador for Love Honey and they have a whole range Ooh. of incredible male masturbators and male vibrators as well, which I very luckily get to try out. So they send me goodie boxes all the time with all these fascinating nice. little toys. But there's, yeah, there's the one vibrator is, is just a super easy thing that you can use together. Regardless of the genitals you have, there's always ways of, of incorporating it. But I would say one of the areas of tension or tightness particularly in a male body to be mindful of is the lower back and is the hips and is the glutes and is the pelvic floor. And so if you're able to get in around that area, if he's open to it, and I don't want to you know, necessarily say that he's not, but like massaging the area around like the upper thighs and the groin and releasing tension around like just above the pubes as well, the lower stomach, lower abdominal area. And even if he's open to it, the, the perineum as well. So getting a finger or a, a thumb and, and releasing some tension through the pelvic floor can be really beneficial for men, particularly who store a lot of tension and tightness around that area when they release that. And it's also important to be mindful as well is because they hold a lot of tension and tightness in that area of their body. And we know that tension in the body is a manifestation of kind of emotional anxiety or mental anxiety. And we start to release that by massaging or by slowing down and exploring this part of the body. Sometimes what can happen is some old emotional baggage or some trauma potentially, or just some things that he maybe have been, has been holding onto some shame and anxiety can start to surface. So it's mm. a very, if we're tying this back into the conversation we just had about like vulnerability and encouraging men to open up. One yeah. of the ways that I suggest is through a, a massage and by pressing into certain areas of the body and releasing tension, particularly around that kind of pelvic area, stuff mm. that he's maybe been holding onto for a while can start to surface because you're mm. releasing them from the body. They're getting unlocked and they can start to bubble up and, and oftentimes it's a good opportunity to disclose yeah. in the moment. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. That makes a Thank lot of sense. Ooh, my partner makes yeah. me want to love on my man now. I know. I know. I'm like, I'm going to buy a massage table. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to go to Love Honey and get some male vibrators for We're my gonna partner. We're going to for his penis. <laughs> and one of the things that I, when I was reading about the amazing work you do, you talk about sexual energy and you talk about men not being dictated by their libidos. Can you speak a little into that? Because I love that concept. Yeah, so there's this very overused phrase and it always irks me a little bit, but it's like men just think with their dicks, right? This, this idea that yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's, I understand where it comes from and I, for the most part, agree with it. And I just, it just bugs me that I do agree with it. But it's because we have this, this story, guys have this story that like everything is about sex. I spoke about this in the, the last podcast is that guys are just always interested in sex. Everything to them is just about sex or it's to try and get sex, right? There's a lot of these pickup artist types that always talk about like how to, everything they do is like trying to manipulate their, a woman to have sex with them because that's everything that that, that life is about to them. And, and so yeah. I understand where this kind of men are you know, dictated by the libido comes from. But I think there's a really important reframe there, which is I, I think it can be a positive thing for, for guys to think with their dicks. And, and that only becomes a positive thing when they start to go, oh, I actually have this part of my body, which I've been neglecting for many years. I've been treating it like really, really badly. And the way that I start that conversation with a lot of guys is when you masturbate, are you have a think about, are you trying to get something from your cock? Are you trying to take something from your genitals? Mm -hmm. are, you, are you masturbating with the intention 
to get something. And, and oftentimes that looks like they're trying to get an ejaculation or they're trying to get an orgasm or they're trying to get an erection or they're whatever they're treating their, their genitals like it's got a job to do, right? And they and they get frustrated if they don't get what it is that they wanted from their cock. And and so I think that kind of stems into this taking mentality that a lot of guys have when it comes to sex and they don't own that. They're like, they're doing this because they've got this taking kind of energy. They're trying to get something from their partner. They're trying to get an orgasm from them or they're trying to get pleasure from them. Guys outsource all of their pleasure to other things, um, whether it's porn or their partner or whatever it is. And so in, inadvertently, guys are dictated by this need to get things. And and, the, and that kind of macro experience can be changed at the micro level where I say to guys, look, instead of trying to take something from your genitals, why don't you think about giving something to them? Why don't you give back to them? Give them this sensation of pleasure. Fill your cup back up by giving this time and this energy back to your genitals, allowing Mm -hmm. them to receive and just reframing the way that you're actually engaging your own body and honoring, like honoring your own cock, honoring your own penis and honoring your own body. Like a talk about in the sacred sexuality community, how we can honor another person's penis, particularly how can women honor their, their partner's penis. But what about men honoring their own sexual organs or their own sexual energy, their own body, and just giving to that rather than taking from it. And I often see that switch be really helpful for them. Mm. Oh, I actually have this beautiful you know, sexual aliveness in my body and it's okay for me to be a sexual man and it's okay for me to express that I find this pleasurable and that I have a cock and I don't have to be scared about it. And I often find that guys who make that switch and then start to embody it aren't worried about being the creepy guy who is going to get accused of sexual harassment or whatever the nonsense is that Mm. these guys have this warped idea of this in their head because they're comfortable and they're confident in their own body. And they're like, I'm okay. And I'm in control. I don't like the word control, but they they acknowledge that they're this sexual person and, it's, and that it's okay to be this sexual person. And they're not going to cross anyone's boundaries because they're aware of what it is that they're doing. They're not taking, they're aware of you know, their sexual kind of policy and agency in that respect. Yeah, so That's the way that I frame it. That's great. And that kind of makes me think about a subject that I'm always very fascinated about. Speaking of giving something back to a man, I'm always fascinated and I, about non-ejaculatory orgasms for men. T- tell us about that. Yeah. So this is a, I love this topic. This is where I cut my teeth um, in this whole masculinity, <laughs> men's sex coaching world. But yeah. the first thing to know is like ejaculation and orgasm are two separate physiological processes. And and I can get into the science of that, but really the only thing you need to grasp of this is like ejaculation is mediated by or controlled by the sympathetic nervous system, right? So ejaculation is actually a survival mechanism. It's a survival response as with every, everything as part of the sympathetic nervous system is there to help us survive. And the reason why is because if we think back to our ancestry or our paleolithic kind of ancestors, we needed to ejaculate in order to pass on our genes, right? And, and it ended up right. being this survival mechanism, sexual selection. So the ejaculation response then is when we're engaging it is something that always keeps us perpetually in this survival response. And it's look, like my friend of mine, Nick Spadaccini, likes to say that it's uh, a lot of people are having, unknowingly, they're having caveman sex, right? They're having sex like their forefathers <laughs> did, um, which is to, to reproduce, to, to, you know, to procreate. But yeah. we don't need to be having sex like that anymore. Like sex is for so many other things rather than just for passing on your genes. So re understanding and reframing, that is really important. And that leads into another sidebar conversation, which is like, does premature ejaculation really exist as a diagnosable thing if it was maybe evolutionarily adaptive for us to pass on our genes as quickly as possible? If you're, if you're ejaculating in 30 seconds, there's a pretty high chance that you're going to pass on your genes more than the guy who takes four hours to ejaculate. Um, right. but there's an interesting evolutionarily biology kind of conversation there. But but the, the other side of the coin is like the parasympathetic nervous system, which is for the most part what mediates and what controls orgasm or the orgasmic experience, you know, the pleasure experience. Yeah. And so sexual function is this like beautiful dance and interplay between the two parts of the nervous system. And oftentimes for guys, ejaculation and orgasm happen almost simultaneously, but there's actually like a couple of milliseconds. If guys really tune in to like their ejaculation, they'll notice that there's actually a little bit of time in between those two experiences between their ejaculation and their orgasm. And yeah, yeah, really yeah. all you're doing is like maximizing or extending that time in between those two experiences. And to the point where maybe you don't even ejaculate at all. And one of the ways of 
doing that is by really emphasizing the engagement of your parasympathetic nervous system and minimizing the engagement of your sympathetic nervous system, right? In a, in a simplistic kind of nutshell here, because if we get too stressed out, again, going back to tension, going back to tightness, going back to anxiety in the body and the mind, that's going to, through biofeedback, push you into your sympathetic nervous system. So you're saying the more kind of relaxed and present a man is, that it's, and I'm sure this is obviously a skill that you can learn to do, but it, but it really starts with just presence and relaxation. It can make a tremendous man difference in any man's life. Basically. Yeah, it starts with slowing down. So mm-hmm. really slow down your touch, slow down your breath, slow down your movements and take your time and notice all that build up of pleasure. And one of the ways that I prescribe to guys to get to this point of separating those two things, ejaculation and orgasm, is take 20 minutes minimum to build yourself up to that kind of edge of ejaculation And Mm. when you're there at that edge, stay there for another five minutes, like really through soft, gentle touch, right? Rather than through vigorously stimulating yourself as fast and as hard as you can, and then just blasting through that edge all the way to ejaculation. A lot of guys have no kind of awareness of when that's coming. Build up yourself really slowly to that edge and then keeping that stimulation going, keep yourself at the edge for another 20 minutes. And then when you're there, so you've done 20 minutes build up, 20 minutes staying at that edge, take your hands away. And notice what you feel. And oftentimes guys will notice like a twitching or a pulsing or almost like a spasming sensation when they take that stimulation away really quickly. And that's actually, I say, and that's the beginnings of your orgasm. That is your, that's your orgasmic response kicking in. It's a matter of training or reconditioning your body to not have those two things, ejaculation and orgasm happening together because we're we're creatures of habit. And a lot of guys have just habitually created that pattern in their body. So you can, train yourself to extend the time between those two things and and really just disentangle them by being really mindful. Is this something that you teach? Yeah. So I have a, I have the men's course and that's something that I teach to men specifically when it comes to self-pleasuring, for example, but I also teach it. I teach the principles to women as well in my women's course, because I think it's important for like everyone to know, especially if you're a man or you have sex with with someone who's a man. And the idea behind it, my men's course is called Outperform a Porn Star. And the Mm -hmm. reason why I call it that is firstly, it's just a fun name, but secondly, because this idea that a lot of guys have in their head about what sex quote unquote should look like is epitomized by, by porn, right? It's like penetrative, it's hard and fast, it's 45 minutes long or whatever it is. And it just finishes with this ejaculation. It's like very linear, very prescriptive and very narrow way of experiencing sexuality. Nothing necessarily wrong with that. But if it's the only way you're experiencing sexuality, it becomes pretty boring. Uh, And I say to guys, look, if you could learn how to have a non-ejaculatory orgasm, if you could learn how to have multiple non-ejaculatory orgasms, if you could learn how to experience full body pleasure, if you could communicate with your partner about what she really enjoys and help her, help facilitate her experience of orgasm and pleasure and, and have multiple orgasms together, you'd be light years ahead of any porn star. You know, I, I, right. I, speak, yeah. to, I speak to this Fuck idea yeah. that guys have <laughs> about the performance what? mindset. I'm like, look, you can easily outperform any porn star if you just actually have good sex, firstly, because the right. sex on screen that a lot of porn stars are having is not amazing at all. No. <laughs> uh, and so I subvert that idea of performance for a lot of guys. So it brings them in that idea of, hey, yeah, I want to outperform. And it's, look, if you want to actually have good sex, like here's what you should do the opposite of what they're doing on screen, essentially. And so one of those things is like really slowing down. That's a, a cornerstone of all of my teachings is just slow, slow down. down. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. This was very informative. <laughs> Between this and the last episode we did with you, I'm just, I'm, I'm already having so many ideas of like how to connect sexually without like even necessarily penetration. Like you can have a total sexual experience without... People can hear my side effects, <laughs> um, but but yeah, but it, it's really been extremely informative and knowledge is power. And I, it's I think it's so incredible that you're out there really dismantling a lot of the stigmas around men and their sexuality, and also teaching us women how we can support our male counterparts. And trans, we're talking about transitioning in this conversation for women and men. It's all about gender harmony. And we're in this 
together. One, you can't have a sexual revolution without all of the colors of the rainbow. Mm, yeah, um, thank you. <laughs> so, so what is the, so what is the best, tell us in your own words, briefly, just the man myths course, as well as the best way for people to get in touch with you, the different ways that people can work with you for anyone who's listening. That's hell yeah, sign me up for Karen Frazier. <laughs> I've got, I've got the easiest way, which is through social media. And I'm at the Cam Fraser across all social media platforms. That's you can easy. also <laughs> find my, my website, which is cam-fraser.com. And like all my programs, like I've got Outperformer Porn Star, which is my men's course. I've got Man Myths, which is my women's course. And I've got in the pipeline, this is still very new, but I'm going to release hopefully by the end of this year, a sex coach uh, training. So if you're interested in becoming Ooh. your own sex coach, then I've got that kind of in the pipeline. <laughs> Amazing. Fantastic. That's amazing. Thank you so much for being here um, with us. This was highly informative and entertaining and you're great. We will have, we'll have links to all his courses and anytime you're ever releasing anything, let us know. We're fans. Oh, you're amazing. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. All right. Clitorati with that, we're going to see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye.